Good morning, church. Our God not only sings over us, but he watches over us. And we can be very thankful for that, to know that God is blessing and keeping us. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for, and praise God for your attendance. We pray this morning our worship will be pleasing and acceptable to him. Let's go to God in prayer, please. O righteous and merciful and masterful Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We do praise you and love you and thank you. Oh God, we can pray to you all day because of your greatness. As we begin, Lord God, with the beginning of our very lives, the knowledge that you have revealed to us, the beginning of the world, the existence of humanity, all that's seen and unseen. We thank you, Lord God, for your great power. We thank you most of all, Lord God, for loving us and sending Jesus to die that we might, we might be saved because of your blessing and because of your grace. Please help us and strengthen us and protect us and guide us and guard us and lead us and direct us. And this morning, as we worship you, please help us to keep our minds focused only on you on your word, your will, and your way. These things we do ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to be that will. Amen. The Walking Dead. Um, lots of movies about walkers, zombies, etc., and the Walking Dead episodes are uh, proven to be suspenseful, to be stimulating, very popular in our world today. Zombies and the zombie war, those movies, it's a, it gives us a twisted, if you will, outlook on life. Or should I say the life of the dead, right? A twisted view. Not in the Bible, but it's a twisted view. In the book of Zechariah, I want to go look at chapter 14. We read about this flesh-eating disease inflicted upon the enemies of God. It says in verse 12, Now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet, and their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongue will rot in their mouths. In verse 15 it says, so also like this plague will be the plague on the horse, on the mule, the camel, the donkey, and the cattle, that all will be in those camps. And so you can imagine seeing this, this rotting flesh and this individual is walking. You can think of leprosy, the leper who is rotting in his flesh, and yet he's alive and walking around. But today, church, we want to talk about people that are alive, but dead, but they're not zombies. They're spiritually dead. Today is a very serious lesson. Turn to Romans 7, please. Because it's something that we can identify with as a truth. Sadly, some of us have been in this position at one time or another. 
And then there are some who are in that condition right now. The walking dead. Romans says in chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, What shall we say then? Is it all sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. And I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. Paul was a, was a walking dead man because of the sin in his life, the willful sin, the continuous sin, the living in a covetous sinful life. And you know in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal, the prodigal son, a man, a young man who, who walked away from his father, who walked away from God is the story, that's the account, and he lived a life of sin. And he was a dead man while he was alive. And he lived in sin and he enjoyed his sin and he relished in his sin until one time or one moment or one day it all ended for him in the sense that he realized that though he was alive, he was dead. And in Luke chapter 15 in verse 24, the Bible says, the father seeing the son, he says, For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to be merry because he was dead even though he was alive. He literally was the walking dead from a spiritual standpoint. The conversation between the father and the son, the older son, continued. And we end in verse 32. But we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Church, sadly, there are many members of the, of the body of Christ who are in this very state. I want us please to turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Someone might say, well, it's okay if I live this way because no one knows, right? I mean, I live one way in the building, but catch me outside of this building. I'm a whole new person. But no one knows, so it's all right. Right? In fact, when I think about my life and living outside of God, I can continue to live a double life because not even God knows. God doesn't see it. God is not there. But God has something to say about that in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the vision of the soul of the Spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. 
And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God sees it all. Matthew 6, please. Just ask Jonah, who went to the bottom of the ship to hide from God, going in the wrong direction. And yet, God saw it all. In Matthew 6, beginning in verse 6, regarding our prayer, listen to what it says. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. God sees secret things. Psalm 90. And so I may live my life in secrecy because nobody else knows. But God does. And he's the only one that matters. In Psalm 90 and the verse 8, the Bible speaks about secret sins and it says, Thou hast placed our iniquities before thee our secret sins in the light of thy presence. I wonder this morning how many people we may know or how many times I have found myself to be literally, spiritually speaking, the walking dead. I'm alive physically. But I'm so far from God that I can't even see it myself. Isaiah 29 speaks of of those who try to hide their, their plans from God. As if we can actually do it. To think of the number of people in the Old Testament book, even in the New Testament, and even in our days who think that God doesn't know and that God doesn't see. To think about that and go, you know, when I go on vacation, nobody knows what I'm doing, right? God does. When I go on vacation, I never go to church. Because nobody knows. God does. Wherever I am, in my home, nobody knows what I'm doing, right? God does. You know, those, those people that are addicted to pornography on, pornography on the internet and all the bad things that we're doing, the things I'm searching on the web, nobody knows, right? God does. Isaiah 29, the verse 15. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, who sees us or who knows us? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay that what is made should say to its maker, he did not make me? Or what is formed say to him who formed it? He has no understanding to think that God doesn't even understand me. So here's what happens. Lamentation. God reveals our secret sins. And you know, folks don't like that, right? We don't want God to tell secrets. <laughs> God, don't reveal my secrets, Lord. Let them stay secret. Lamentation 4 and verse, verse 22. The Bible says, The punishment of your iniquity has been completed, O daughter of Zion. He will exile you no longer. 
but he will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will expose your sins. Will he do that? Go on and ask David. Let's go back to 2 Samuel. David was a man who, who sinned secretly, put a whole plan together, right, with Bathsheba. We know the account. He did it in secret. No one knew. But God did. And church is very important. It's, in, it's inevitable that we recognize the way that we live our lives. That we are going to be accountable to the God who sees, to the God who knows. The question this morning is, am I, am I living my life in such a way to where I'm alive physically? But spiritually, I'm as dead as a doorknob. 2 Samuel 12 and verse 12. God speaking through Nathan the prophet to David. Indeed, you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. So now you're talking about physical death, right? But can you imagine when you read about David's account that David never mentioned God one time? When you read the whole account with David and Bathsheba and you read through that era of his life, that moment of his life, he never mentioned God one time. And that's what happens sometimes, church. We get so steeped in sin that we forget about the God who's watching us, the God who's witnessing our evil and our sin. And it's not until someone calls it to our attention. Sometimes we wake up. And other times we walk away angry. Am I, am I alive physically, but dead spiritually? John chapter 6, please. You know, Achan stole the forbidden, hid it under his tent. So just imagine, if you will, for just a moment, the audacity of, and the mindset of, of man. That he takes what he's not supposed to have, and he goes over, and he, and he starts digging a hole, and his family with him, and he digs a hole, and he sticks it up under the, under the tent, and he buries it, puts the tent back over all the gold and the silver, and thinks that God doesn't see him. Sometimes we get into that mindset where we think God is not watching us. Satan has duped so many of God's people. Judas, we'll talk more about him tonight. He walked with Jesus. He was living, but he was dead. He was the walking dead. You can see it. Church, do you know anyone? Is there anyone in your family? Or anyone of your friends? Someone in the body of Christ that you know who are alive physically, but are dead spiritually? And are you going to tell him? Are you going to talk to him about that? John 6 and verse, verse 70, as Jesus speaks of Judas, Jesus says to the disciples, Jesus answered, Did I not myself choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going 
to betray him. Here's what we know. If I have sinned in my life, and you have sinned in your life, our sins will find us out. Numbers 32, 23 tells us that. And what God has done, He's made a plan to save us. How many of us are going to just push you aside and say, Lord, not me, I'm not ready. I, I enjoy being the walking dead. Where I am right now, Lord, my life is good. I've got money in my pocket. I've got food on my table. I've got a house over my head. Right now, Lord, I don't really need you. But when I do, I'll come back. How many people do you know in the body of Christ who didn't make it out of that state of mind? It's a sad subject. Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin. You notice it doesn't say sins. It says sin. See, we can choose our sin, but we can't choose our consequence. If I have sin in my life, not sins, if I have sin in my life, I need to turn my life around, repent to God, and ask God to forgive me. Sin, not sins. But the free gift of God is eternal life. God has made a plan. And we've got to do it God's way. If we don't do it God's way, we're not going to make it, church. And we'll stand before God as this, this, this person with this, this flesh, rotten, eaten soul. You stand before God, you're dead as a doorknob. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done Lord, have you not seen me? God says, I don't even know who you are. Depart from me for your works of iniquity. Look, let us not be in that state. You know your hearts. I know my heart. You know what you did last night. I know what I did last night. You know what you've been doing this week. God knows what you've been doing this week. I know what I've been doing this week. Have I been living a life as a child of God, secretly living in sin, dead while I live it? I don't know. How about you? Romans 8, beginning at verse 6. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Where have I been living? Where have I been living, church? Right. Am I living a life of hostility toward God? Where is my heart? Where is my mind? Where have I been? Am I a spiritual thinker? Am I, do I have God as, as my number one? Am I focused on the Messiah or am I focused on the flesh? Where's my heart? Where's your heart? The walking dead. Everyone, every person, all of mankind must repent. All of mankind must be baptized into Christ Jesus for the remission of their sins. There is no other way. God has made a way. Thank you, God, for making a way. But here's what God says. Matthew 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other. 
or hold to the one and despise the other, but you cannot. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You, you can't do that. We, we cannot straddle the fence, church. Right? Listen to the text. No one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Someone said, oh yeah, I'll show you I can. God said we cannot. Right? God said we cannot. The preacher is not saying that we cannot. The elders are not saying that we can. The deacons are not saying that we cannot. God, the creator, says you can't live double lives, church. Not and expect to go to heaven. Genesis chapter 6. Chapter 3, rather. Genesis chapter 3. I want you to think about Adam and Eve in this light. Adam and Eve, they're a great example of a, of a couple of people and a couple who shows you, who demonstrates to us, whom we witness the tragedy of sin. It's not just sin against Adam and Eve, but sin for the whole world. But listen to what happened in verse 6. You know the text, but we'll read it. Genesis 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. He took from it his fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband and who was with her, and he ate. You know, they only had one. There was only one sin, the wages of sin and death, that Adam and Eve could commit. Only one. Just one. And you go, whoa, whoa. You only had one sin. There's only one way that Satan could tempt Adam and Eve. Only one. There's only one sin, one tree, just one, and they couldn't even keep it. That tells me that I ought to stay in repentance. There are a lot of things I can do. They ate from the forbidden tree. Then their eyes, the eyes of both of them were open. Verse 7, they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covers. And what we witness now is a demonstration and a display of a family who lost it all because of one sin. I bet you know some folks like that. I've seen marriages just done because of sin. Haven't you? I've seen relationships destroyed because of sin. You witness choices made and, and there are sinful choices and a person loses it all. They lose themselves. I've seen them chase after the mighty dollar and lose their soul. I've seen them chase after fun and lose their souls. I've seen it. You've seen it. And I never say, oh, I'm above that. I say, God, help me. Because I could leave too. God, help me not to leave you. Help me to love you. Help me to put you first, God. I don't want to lose you. You see, in verse 9, the Bible says, uh, Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? See, the question is not, I can't find you. Where are you? The question is, Where are you now without me? Look at you over there hiding in the bushes. Ashamed of yourself. Covering yourself. Who told you you were naked? You couldn't even see it before. 
Because sin is so powerfully wicked. Luke chapter 12, please. We've got to stay away from it, right? We don't want to become the walking dead. And here's something we know. Sin won't turn you loose. You've got to get rid of it. You have to turn it loose. It's not going to let you go, right? And you've read it before. Sin will take you further than you intended, right? Further than you wanted to go. You say, well, I'm this far now. I can't turn back. You better turn back. No, but sin will keep carrying us away. Sin will hold you how long? Longer than you want to stay. Right? You can, ask that, you can ask that little prodigal boy. He was in there. He looked out there. He saw the pigs. He said, I'm so hungry. I want to eat what they... He says, I'm in here. I've been here too long. It'll hold you longer than you want to stay. And it's not going to let you go. Satan will not let you go. See, God will give you a choice. And God says, if you just, just love me and I'll take care of you. If you walk away, you're going to get trapped. Right? Just be careful, church. Be, just be careful and watch your souls and the way that you're living your life. Live a faithful life for Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth it. You don't want to lose them, right? You don't want to lose it all because of the passing pleasures of sin. Luke 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Everything is going to come to light. Everything. Everything. And when I stand before God, Ecclesiastes, please, chapter 12, when I stand before God, everything is going to come to light. And I can only think of, of Zechariah 3. I'm so excited about Zechariah chapter 3 because when Joshua the high priest stood before God, and Satan stood there, the adversary stood there to condemn him. I'm so thankful to see that God said, I rebuke you, Satan. Thank you, God, for that. You see, on Judgment Day, I don't want God to see me. I want God to see Jesus in me. I want God to see the blood of Jesus that covers me. I don't want to have to plead my own case. I don't want to have to talk to God on Judgment Day. And when I say, no, Lord, I wasn't there. And he says, hold on for a minute. And he plays the reel right in front of you. And you watch the show. And you say, Lord God, that wasn't me. And then he shows your face. And then he shows your heart. And then he shows the motive. Oh, I don't want to see that film, do you? I don't want God to show me a picture, a film, if you will, a movie about me. I want him to show me a picture of Jesus in me. But if I'm the walking dead, here's the sad part. And also the scary part. I don't have an attorney to speak in my behalf. I don't have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's in your books, right? Hebrews 10 and verse 31. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Ecclesiastes 12, listen to the judgment. Verse 13, verse 14 rather. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Now, we, we, we like the first part of the show because the first part of the show, I'm going to Judges chapter 6 and then I'm going to let you go. The first part of the show, he might start us out with all the good stuff. 
And he says, look at how I've blessed you and I've, and I've given you all this, all this good. Look, what I, look at what I've done for you. He says, thank you, Lord. But the second half of the show, which is a lot longer, by the way, shows me with all that evil. I don't like the second half of the show. And the only way that second half of that show can be shorter than the first half is God says, if you'll repent and you'll confess your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember them no more. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But how many of us say, I should have repented, but I didn't? How many times have we forgotten about the sins we've committed because we didn't repent and confess and turn our lives around? I want to give you a picture in closing out this morning of what it looks like when we live our lives, we find ourselves sinning, and then we forget to repent. We forget to confess. We forget to turn our lives around. And then we just go on like nothing ever happened. And then the next day comes, or maybe the same day, and we do the same thing again, and we do the same thing again, and we're alive. And we're walking, and we're living, and we'll show up at the building, right, on Sunday morning or Wednesday. We'll show up here like everything's all right. And then we'll forget. We'll forget about our sin. And we'll never forget. We'll never rather repent of that sin because you forgot about it. I'm just reminded. I, I look at a man named Samson in Judges 16, and here's what happens. In verse 20, Delilah says, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. One day God will say, That's it. That is not a place that you want to be. Neither do I. You read it, right? Romans chapter 1, God says, I'll turn you over. And not just in Romans, in other places. I'll turn you over. Church, God has made the way. This morning, if you're not a member of the body of Christ, God has made a way. You hear His word. You believe it. Have godly sorrow in your heart. Repent. Confess His name. Be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And let God wash your sins away and give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're a member of the body of Christ, and you need to make things right with God. Maybe you need to make them right here. Or maybe you need to go home and do it. You need to get in your bedchamber and go pray to God. But you've got to make it right. If you need to do it here, this is a perfect opportunity. This morning, if we can help in any way, please come. We'll stand and we'll sing with you. We'll pray with you. And we'll pray for you. With its crystal tide forever flowing by the throne of God. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with at the river that flows by the throne of God. 
on the margin of the river, washing